Hey, this is Ollie, and welcome to the Private Members Podcast for the Body Reset. This podcast has been built to help build the skill set of health so you're equipped with the skills to navigate life in a body that never holds you back. I'm going to walk you through some of the core concepts, beliefs, and strategies we use in the Body Reset coaching system to help transform your body, upgrade your energy, and dive deeper into understanding long-term health and performance. Let's find that first domino. Cool. So uh, what I want to start with, team, is um, just to get a little bit of a pulse check on where you're feeling right now with this. Uh, I want to simply ask you, where do you feel with your training or overall exercise from one to five? It's intentionally a very broad question, but if you can just write that number in the chat, I'd love to know what that is for you, um, just so that I can sort of tailor this conversation depending on where that generally is sitting. Uh, we might have some ones, we might have some fives, but don't give me a zero or a six. Let's try to get in that range. Oh, if you got a six, go and check it in, but... Cool. One, three, cool. I could hear Kristen. Yep. Four. Lots of threes, couple ones. Yep. Cool. All right. Broad spectrum. Sweet. So uh, my game plan for today, team, there's three kind of key parts that I want to go through with you. First one is I'm going to walk you through my new uh, 61-year-old inspiration. I had a really good chat with this dude the other day, and I kind of want to share it with you. Um, second one is talking about exercise as a bit of the ultimate equalizer and potentially why we've got uh, a mixed relationship with it. <laughs> and then finally, we're going to finish off with um, three quick questions as more of a journal entry. Uh, if you're not doing this regularly, this becomes a nice little nudge for you to do some, some level of reflective tool on where you're at right now and how we can take control of potentially next steps from here. All right. So the first part, uh, I've seen this a thousand times and I, I uh, I love the fact that I get to see these patterns over over again, is the fact that many say they don't like exercise, right? And this is a theme that comes into the program. Uh, and typically what we see is in the course of two to three months, not everyone loves exercise, I'll, I'll tell you that now, but we get to a point where we start to feel a little bit more in tune with our body. Maybe we're starting to get an idea of uh, movement and actually feeling that muscle in our back that we never knew was there. Or maybe we're seeing this translate to more strength, endurance, fitness, enjoyment on a day-to-day basis that allows us to associate exercise with being a more enjoyable part of our life. All right. The big part of this is, uh, and you know, I've been through this in many different ways. I've ranged from 122 kilos down to 95 kilos all in the space of about five years. That's peak uh, building muscle. That's uh, post-breaking joints <laughs> and shoulders and things like that and everything in between, more endurance focus, more bodybuilding focused and all the things. Uh, when I go into the gym and pick up a dumbbell, the dumbbell is exactly the same weight. I'm the one that's changed. So for me, it becomes an interesting relationship with that dumbbell because there's a equalizer or conversation that needs to be had or an internal conversation that is being had regardless around where's my recovery? Have I looked after myself or am I expecting that weight to be lighter than it truly is, right? You can't skip where your starting point is. If you're going through an injury, you've got a tweak in your shoulder. Making those changes to suit your body right now rather than where you'd like to be is usually a problem that many of us face and usually why that relationship with exercise tends to change, all right? So, uh, coming from someone <laughs> that's seeing uh, drastic changes in my own uh, goals, um, uh, sort of a shift in goals, injuries, all of these things, uh, this is certainly something that's coming from experience too. Um, the second part here from an opportunity standpoint is, uh, and I still find huge, uh, I guess, comfort in this, is it is absolutely still a controllable. The injury isn't a controllable. The work di- deadline isn't a controllable. The kids getting sick are not a controllable, but this still can be, all right? We can adapt, we can get stronger, but typically there's an internal chatter or voice that tends to make this much tougher if we're not aware potentially of if it's helping or hurting us, all right? 
as I mentioned before, you don't need to love training, but there needs to there. I tend to see that there's a really, really big benefit in building the skill of delayed gratification, right? Just whether you're translating that to your work, you're translating that to looking and feeling better in your own skin, whether that's just making sure there's an anchor in your routine that stays constant, even when the rest of your life might not be. All right. So for me, uh, I think in, even in the last three years, uh, weight training for me, well, it's always been a really good anchor for my mental and physical health. When it was removed, uh, not removed from me, but when I had to focus on recovery and I was in a sling and surgeries and thing, I was really forced to look at my relationship with exercise. And this is something that has uh, been very helpful in me seeing what that looks like for clients inside the program. Are you leaning into training as being a, a something that you do for you? Are you leaning into training because you're running away from things you don't want to face, right? Bit of a deeper conversation, but super interesting around how we approach training as a ultimate anchor to our mental and physical health and potentially that relationship there. So I just want to look at this as ultimately, one, it's the controllable, and then two, how we're approaching this to make sure it is ultimately a, a positive to the rest of our life. So I'm going to break this down. If none of that made sense, I'm going to try and make sense in a second. But really, there's three perspective shifts that I'd like to sort of go through with you. And you'll probably work out that I'm a bit of a deep, deep thinker. <laughs> but hopefully, this makes uh, sense to help you with um, you know, your training and sometimes that mental chatter coming along with it. So the first one uh, I've been writing about a ton lately. If you're following any of our sort of social channels, we tend to be talking a lot about this at the moment uh, because ultimately it's a problem and it's something that's coming through a ton. And I think stress is uh, sort of the ultimate paradox right now or improving stress resilience because the first part is that ultimately we all know that having too high a stress all of the time is an issue, right? If we continue to burn the candle at both ends, we will eventually lower this threshold but understanding that lowering stress isn't just a psychological chatter. It's not just getting pissed off in traffic or a work deadline. It's what's the stress coming through from the food you're choosing to eat on a Friday to block out the week. What's happening if you're having a poor night's sleep, your stress threshold will be lower, right? There's all of these components that if we're eating inflammatory foods, we're not looking after our body, we're going to be more triggered and have less resilience to the stress that comes through in our day, all right? Uh, the second one of this, which I find fascinating and really shift my really my whole relationship with exercise from a performance mindset, uh, is understanding that you can obviously increase this threshold. Understanding that it is a it is a uh, threshold instead of a set level does allow you to look at it through the lens of something that you can strain, test, and actually increase. All right, but it's having a conversation for you personally right now, and this is something I talk to so many clients about is what needs to be the priority right now? And this is a question I'd love for you to sort of answer yourself is right now is increasing stress or decreasing stress the goal? And that without this concept, context will feel really bizarre because everyone thinks that it's a very binary, well, you need to lower stress. But right now it might be a case of you've been taking it easy for the last, you know, four weeks, six weeks, six years, whatever. And now it's time to you know, uh, step up and actually start to push the body and let blow out the cobwebs a little bit. Let's get the body moving. Many of us, we're on a on the end of a very short string of stress on top of stress, and maybe the, the conversation doesn't need to be, I need to beat myself up in the gym right now. I need to take four weeks in order to improve my sleep, nourish my body in the morning, and make sure when I get to a Friday, I don't feel like I need to catch up on a hole that I've created throughout the week with more food or something else, all right? Really cool way to look at the... Uh, through simply a binary, rather than a binary lens of good or bad, it's simply to what degree do I need to in, in, integrate, increase or decrease stress? All right. So 
ask yourself that one um, in the chat. Again, I would like to get um, a check here around, is this, a, is this an increase? It's a time for a kick in the pants and getting the exercise working. Or is it a decrease? I need to actually be a little more kind to myself and look at decreasing this in order to get more results out of what I'm already doing. Uh, this conversation is always funny when it's a case of, you know, how often should I be training? Uh, do I need to do more? The, the conversation is always going to come back to it's never just about the exercise itself and that the perfect number of workouts is X. It's, well, what can we actually tolerate? And if you've got one of those weeks that just flat out, you're working through a ton of variables, then you know, two workouts and a bunch of walks might be the only thing your body can truly tolerate this week. All right. Cool. So there what I mean, right? There's no point having a mindset conversation and a, a big rah-rah about you having to do more exercise when half of you in this room need to decrease <laughs> and look at what are the variables at play that are actually making us our body uh, get in the way with it. Um, so building the decrease before the increase, Jen, would be great. Uh, just finished the loading stress and ready. Yeah, and, you know, John, she's in the same position as me. We've, uh, he's just got out of a sling. I've got a week to go. Um, it's allowing us to do the walk and, you know, movement. That's that's great, but it's very much, a, okay, well, let's let the body actually heal. And now we're, I'm sure, John, to you, as much as I am sort of uh, very eager to get back into exercise at a level of building it up, but at a level that we don't break ourselves in the process. Um, yeah, cool. Awesome. So the second one here, team, uh, this ties in hopefully quite nicely with that first question. Um, and this is something that I noticed throughout uh, a lot of the guys I used to train with at uni is uh, many of them I, I knew would never ha never lift the heaviest weight until they'd lis listened to their best song or they'd had their third pre-workout or had you know, half a kilo of caffeine to make sure they could lift the thing, right? And there was always a huge, really, really heightened state required for them actually to do anything. Right. That I think is a really, really uh, unhelpful state if you're looking towards doing something long term. Now, what I'm asking here is, do you feel motivated or driven? It's simply understanding the difference of motivation can absolutely be. Uh, I look at that as more of an external thing. Right. Do I need to be motivated? Do I need to enjoy it? Do I need to feel like exercising? My personal answer, and it might be different for you, but my personal answer is no. I do not have to feel like I'm ready to exercise in order to exercise. I want to be driven. I want to have an internal desire that's longer than simply today, that's not fleeting, that is a reason that I want to do it, right? It's that delayed gratification again, right? So do I have to feel motivated? No. Do I want to be driven? Yes. And it's just trying to make sure that ultimately I'm building that internal skill, but there's a long-term burn underneath it. So to explain that a little bit differently, and uh, please don't um, quote me on the um, neuroscience of this because this could be entirely wrong, but it does allow me to associate it much better, which is your primal brain is seeking dopamine, right? Those short hits of, of um, uh, ultimately dopamine in those spurts. What happens, though, is if we simply rely on dopamine, we'll find that our, our base level tends to be lower. Uh, the way I think of this is if you're getting ready for a big competition, right? And you're working towards a swimming event, a triathlon, a, uh, a singing gig, whatever it might be. You get up to an event and you've got this massive drive and focus towards that. Com uh, Dom maybe with like a soccer competition, right? Getting really, really close to the big event. And then there's usually like a week or two lull afterwards. Some of it is a lack of focus and lack of structure, but a lot of it is you've been building yourself up on this goal for so long that as soon as you uh, sort of try recalibrate, there actually is a little bit of a dip that comes through here, right? So when we look at it through the lens of um, how our body is going to tolerate some stress, I'll just give you a little bit of an understanding of this. If this is our baseline, right, and this is what we're looking for on a day-to-day -day level is if we're trying to do it with dopamine, what happens is we get a little spike and then our body has to reset, right? And then we notice that we're feeling really low. 
So we get a spike and then we have to reset. So if we're only ever looking for those dopamine hits, you'll notice that you're actually lowering your overall uh, median or where that main um, yeah, sort of balance level is starts to get lower and lower over time. So if we're only looking at it through the lens of dopamine, um, typically we find that we just find it harder and harder to feel motivated because we need that big spike. We need the YouTube video. We need the caffeine hit, whatever it is, in order to do the thing. The shift that I'm uh, diving into here is consistency thrives on the serotonin. Now, it could, it could be serotonin, it could be another chemical, but what I'm talking about is the lower level contentment as opposed to massive excitement required in order to do it every day, right? If I'm seeking the, and I noticed this with myself when I was doing a lot of track racing, right? It's quite an adrenaline-based sport. Um, and you'll find that you can get really, really excited in the moment. You're very honed in vision and your energy is great for that day. And then two or three days afterwards, you just didn't quite have the same pick-me-up because there's a bit of a recalibration, right? This is why we see so many um you know, music stars um, getting stuck in drugs and everything else because there's a constant seek to fill that hole, fill that gap when dopamine being so high and then it's plummeted and then it's not quite as high as so they're finding another way to push it up. So big conversation overall, but my thought process around this is typically if it's self-punishment, we're putting ourselves in a state where we're forcing ourselves to be ready. When we're looking at it through the lens of consistency, we're looking at it through self-care. Um, so the idea is simply when we're looking at exercise, and we've talked about this at length before through the lens of like, why did we jump on this program initially? Or why did we start to make these changes? For many of us, we've been, you know, uh, fit and healthy all our life. And then we noticed that something really shifted and it's not working like it used to. For others, this was really a kick in the pants. Like this has got to a level that I'm no longer willing to tolerate and I need to change it. Both of those scenarios tend to come from a level of pain, a certain threshold that we're no longer willing to tolerate that we decide to make a change. We decide to be motivated to make the shift. The problem there is that it's motivated ultimately from pain. And if we don't make that shift to a level of self-care or compassion, we notice that we're always trying to beat ourselves up in order to do the thing rather than finding a new driver or anchor to pull towards. All right. And that might take a month for some, that might take six, six months for others, but ultimately that transition to self-care and why we do this long-term is when we move from, I need to stop doing this to what I'm driving towards and it becomes a more compassionate conversation, all right? So um, this one's a very personal one, but I'd love to know what that phrase, in, phrase is for you personally, right? When you've had a really long day, it's quite easy just to lay on the couch and do it tomorrow. Um, looking at what you're doing as an internal self-reinforcement of what you can do. And this really comes from the phrase, you know, the most, self, um, the, the most self-compassionate people are the most, self, uh, most resilient, right? If you're beating yourself up all day, you've got no chance of being resilient to the outside world because you're not even looking after yourself. But if we can take the time to actually improve that internal conversation and chatter that's happening inside our head, we are a lot more bulletproof to the outside world. So have a little think of what that phrase is. It could be as simple as, you know, you've got this or, you know, time to put time aside for you or whatever that thing is, but something that actually means something for you personally so that there is actually a phrase. And I'm not going to get you to ask that, uh, get you to share this with a group, but I do want this to mean something. Give a little um, love punch for what's happening inside to make sure that you are uh, you do have a phrase, you do have you actually um, patting yourself on the back or helping you along. Because if you beat yourself up, you just make it really, really hard. Cool. Uh, that was a really good drawing. Cool. Uh, and the last one, I want to go through uh, this conversation. I had this with um, the bloke, uh, Stephen, who run, runs a company called Zero Shoes. Um, now, 
I completely forgotten this was booked in. I had this booked in by somebody else who who manages a lot of my uh, podcast interviews and things. Um, and I sat down with this bloke and started chatting away, and we talked about where he was, uh, you know, in his career. And his business is doing an amazing job. And if you're if you haven't dived in some of our previous exercise um, conversations around one of the best things you could possibly do to improve glute recruitment and lower body and just general stability of things like squats, deadlifts and the rest is being able to train barefoot or as close to it as possible. As soon as you start chucking all these spongy things between your feet or under your feet and squashing your toes together so they can't work like, like they used to, there's a massive upstream effect there. So there's a, another conversation you had. I'm absolutely happy to dive into that tangent later on if you like. But he ultimately runs one of the biggest companies in the world that sell these types of shoes. And it's going to be a billion-dollar company in the next five years quite easily. So very, very smart man, incredibly humble. I didn't even know this for half the conversation. <laughs> and um, taking me through this, the thought process and mindset around what he does for exercise. Now, one of the themes that I noticed uh, really, really early on, I started in a space doing a lot of triathlons. I don't know if many of you know that. But um, something that happened through this phase was people, as they aged, and I saw them moving it from their 30s, 40s, and 50s and beyond, they started to move from the sprint distance up to Olympic and sometimes half Ironman. And I started to think, hang on, you know, as I get older, I must get better at endurance, right? And one one thing I noticed as uh, your Johnny knows this, uh, as uh, I moved into the personal training setting and started to understand more about the physiology, I started to realize that we don't get better at endurance; we simply get worse at sprint, and we end up doing things for longer because we don't we're not able to access that high capacity or unless trained. All right, and that's why we're a huge fan of doing the weight training and and eventually some sort of sort of hit. We we're able to access those much higher threshold muscle units to actually get the body firing on all, all cylinders again. Because if you don't access it, it's very much that you either use it or you lose it. All right. So this guy was an absolute inspiration in this space because he's at 61 years old, he's still sprinting. <laughs> and uh, the conversation around this was a really, really good one because he talked about how, you know, when you're in your mid 20s or, you know, on your way to 30, you're at your absolute, absolute peak, right? You're pushing towards the records, you're trying to do all you can and the the audience is really cheering for you and it's a really exciting space because you're at your absolute peak. And then there's the guys that are in their maybe 80s or something where there's a, a big celebration because they're still going, right? But everyone between 30 and 60, they just, they don't care about, right? And what happened there was uh, he was talking about his motivation towards why he's still sprinting, right? And he said that it's a fine balance between I've still got just as much competition to the guy to the left of me and the guy to the right of me, but I'm also competitive with myself. And what I know is going to happen, what I know is a fact, is from 55 to 60 to 65, I'm going to notice half a second or a second starting to come onto my time. I'm going to notice things getting slower. But I've got complete control of how quickly that happens. So he was being able to set those benchmarks for himself. And one theme that I've seen through working with thousands of clients in this space is the ability to improve your benchmark all right whether that's the squash game that's soccer that's mountain biking that's rock climbing it could be whatever right but being able to build um 
you know, true to you, what that benchmark activity is, the thing that you want to be doing when you're 70 years old, right? Just the really, really stubborn thing that you're not going to let go of, even if the doctors tell you to, <laughs> right? Like really just building that mindset behind what's the thing you want to do for as long as possible and knowing that weight training and improving your health and, and fueling your body with the right foods becomes your best opportunity of controlling the controllables, all right? Um, I'd really, really love to know what this one is. Uh, like I said, this is a huge theme that I've seen inside of our mastery clients and clients that have really had that long-term drive consistency and just bulletproof, you know, drive to keep going is they've got that benchmark activity. And whether it's, you know, monthly, quarterly, uh, yearly, where they go back and try it again, they've got something to sort of set themselves up with. And whether it's competitive uh, or not, it's with yourself makes a really big difference. So could you drop that one on the chat team? I'd love to know what that is. Some of you, this is obvious. Some of the, some of you, this is brand new. It could be as simple as setting up a plank or a push-up or um, your first pull-up, whatever it might be. And we've, we've seen a lot of clients in mastery, you know, achieving those sort of goals. But it's really cool to have a focus, have a, have that set up rather than just blindly going, going through it. Yeah, um, Jim, his uh, facial expression on this looks very calm. <laughs> Getting up on my surfboard again. Yes. Uh, Jonty, yep, I love these ones. Monthly 100k ride, yep. Uh, walking to our trail, yes. Ah, cool. Hiking, cool. Karen, take it from hike. Uh, well, I, it'd be interesting if it was even one track, right? Kind of like Jen's one, like set up the same track, and it doesn't have to be that you do it in you know 20 minutes slower, but it's uh, it's making sure you don't go backwards. Yeah, playing football again. Yep, I love that one. Marathon in Queenstown, two years. Love that. Good place to do it too. Waking up, waking five, walking five. Yep, cool. Brilliant. Awesome team. Well, I love these ones. Um, the, the big thing that uh, I'm mindful of this one <laughs> is one of the things we talked about in a, in a squad call before, which is being um, clear on the goal, uh, being clear on the goal, but flexible on the approach, right? And the big thing that you know, you'll notice is different if you're working in a marathon in your 20s versus 30, you know, 55 is – uh, you know, I noticed in this in the rowing space for me directly is my way of getting in shape was just as much volume as possible, <laughs> right? Just do all of it. Uh, versus when you're you're in your mid forties and fifties, you're noticing that you're managing stresses, you're managing you know life. There's a whole lot more going on. The body uh, and general biology is functioning a little bit differently. You want to make sure that we're focusing on how we can improve as much stimulus and strength to the muscle with mitigating as much uh, damage to the joints. So if the goal is something like running or something that's got a little bit more um, uh, impact involved, uh, we can absolutely help with that just to make sure that the approach is a little bit different as well. But I really, really like the um, benchmarks here as well. Um, scuba dive at the end. Awesome. Cool. So that's my three perspective teams. Uh, that sounds like that made a little more sense. Hopefully that from the preamble allowed me to break that down into three shifts. So the last bit here for you uh, is simply three quick questions. Today, hopefully gave you a little bit of a, uh, you know, context to look at this through. And I think it allows us to zoom out from our day for a second and allow us to approach this with potentially a, a fresh perspective. Um, one quick quote that I only heard 30 minutes ago, um, but I really liked it, is stress primarily comes from not taking action over something that you can you can have some control over from Jeff Bezos, actually. So it was a little while ago. It was when he still had hair. So it must have been a little while. But the awareness of being able to step out of today and get an idea of taking it from an intention to an action just allows us to require a little bit more 
clarity of what we actually have control over. Um, we can have worry, that's one thing, but it becomes stress when it's something we actually have some control over it and we might not be doing it. The bigger version of this becomes overwhelmed when we've got lots of things to do, but we're still not doing anything, <laughs> right? So breaking it down into small action steps that we can do in order to actually move forward, I think makes a really big difference. So the first question I have for you is what is my theme or focus for this quarter? Um, that's a really, really important part because the answer to this might not always be health, right? You might have a massive work project on. It might be time to you know, really double down on focusing on the family for three months. It might be finally the time to put you at the top of the priority list and actually do that. All of these are great answers. The goal is what is that focus and just making sure you are clear on that priority where it becomes an issue as we start to get in murky waters that are all priorities, which means we have no idea which one is a priority. Just give me 30 seconds on that. Food. <laughs> Good. Meeting me. Yep. Cool. Just write this one down on your paper, team. Absolutely happy to chuck it in the chat too. It's great. I uh, just want to make sure you're clear on that focus, that theme, the overall number there before we dive into next steps here. Cool. So this one, uh, you know, probably be a word or a sentence that shouldn't be too long. The second one that we look at here is uh, what does being the chooser look like for me this month? Right. We've got a theme. We've got a focus. So what does that look like? What are the thing that we're controlling or, or choosing to do this month? Okay, so the last question I've got for your team here is what mental chatter do you think we could improve or stop this month? Amazing. Um, Jen, let's start with you. Um, what, what did you take away from today? Hey, the takeaway for me is moving from that uh, punishment to self-care, and I've actually just pinged Carla to make sure we talk about that next week. Awesome. Very cool. Um, Dee, how are you? Great. Um, the biggest thing for me, I think, is separating the types of stresses. Yep. So I lumped them all in together, but it was, uh, wow, that's so cool because it makes you uh, confused when you know you want to do one and decrease and you know one, and how do you group that? But separating them, why do we group them? That being... Yeah, yeah. We, we've, it's funny. Again, it's another paradox where we have a, a, a constant need to simplify because we've got so much information to work with. But, but in simplifying and bulking things together, we've actually made it very complex. <laughs> yep. Definitely awesome. Take away. Yeah. Awesome, team. Well, thank you very much. Um, lovely to have you all on. A nice small group today. I know we had our big squads on uh, Friday, um, but a bit of a training that I want to keep a bit of a theme there around. Uh, exercise and it sounds like we got a, a couple of thoughts or shifts today as well. So lovely to have you all on. I'll um, try to get rid of the red dome before next time and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday. There you guys. Bye. Thanks, Ollie. <clears throat> yeah. Bye.